BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by one of my old buddies, Andy at Andy MSFW. You know him very well as the host of The Deep Dive and Brown Bag Bets. I've uh, done some shows with Andy in the past and, and sort of we both just kind of had the idea that it's been a while since we've chatted and sort of just wanted to center the conversation around how sports betting has changed as legalization has swept the United States. This episode is, of course, available as a crossover with the Deep Dive, which you, if you are not listening to, you should go and seek that out immediately. Uh, as always, if you want to support me and support the show, you can subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash TakeCast for bonus episodes of the program. You can tell someone about the show, or you can leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now let's go ahead and get into it. Drew's not here, and I'm not doing the thing. I can't. I it's like his thing. Uh, he's skiing all week up in Jackson Hole, which uh, I've been there. In the, I've never been there in the winter. I've been there in the summer. I love it to death. Great town. Hope he's having fun on his week off. We're trying to be more chill in the off season, but we have a fun crossover episode bringing in someone I haven't talked to in a while. Davis Maddock, how are you doing today, Davis? You know, I'm doing great. I was, it, uh, it's just one of those things. The universe always tends to work in these, these serendipitous ways. I was like, who should I talk to this week? And I was like, you know, I have not talked to Andy and Drew in a long time. And there's like a good angle. Cause the last time we would have done one of these crossovers, uh, I mean, it would have been way before you, you guys were, were powered by bet spurts and had a cool, uh, sleek production chamber, but more importantly, sports betting legalization was kind of just starting, just sort of reach. You know, we we were just learning about the FanDuel free bets and and boosted promos and whatnot. And now, you know, that's like all my Twitter feed is 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 people, uh, you know, being like their 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 underdog parlays, their their prize picks tabs for for the day. It's like sports betting. Sports betting now is is honestly. It's got to be way bigger than DFS was even in like 2016. Yeah, and it's funny too. There's the evolution of uh, media and how how it's portrayed in the media too. And I even said this to producer Dan this morning. I'm not mad at Kelvin Ridley for gambling. I'm mad at Kelvin Ridley for placing parlays with that many legs. Like, <laughs> come on, buddy. At least, at least try to win. So, yeah, and it, it is funny too. I had to. It's. I had to mute. I won't name the sports book. I had to mute an official sports book uh, this morning or last night, which is like, all right, 
this tweet was way too dumb at this point for me to even like have this on my timeline. And Twitter's broken anyway, so who knows if it even works? It is. We'll, it's so we'll it's it so bad, dude. The, it's uh, the the usability of that website gets worse like every yeah, single day. It's, it sucks because I love it so much. But yeah, and you bring a, a probably a very unique perspective too because of your just your DFS background. We'll talk about that eventually. How the the DFS landscape has evolved and kind of due to this, but. Yeah, I was going to say, a few years back, it was, what, New Jersey? Who were who were the first couple of states? I feel like Pennsylvania was up there. Jer- and like, then- Jersey, Jersey, Pennsylvania um, were amongst the, were amongst the, the first. I don't. Yeah, I, felt, I felt like I had, you know, I had, I knew plenty of people in New York who would say, like, I went down to Jersey and I gambled at, you know, at a legal book, or I knew people that lived in Jersey. I knew people, obviously, that now, especially Noops. Noops lives in Pennsylvania. I knew some people on both sides of that state that were taking advantage of that right off the bat. But, yeah, it's it does feel like now there's such a big chunk of the country that has legalized gambling that you're seeing more and more people, you know, that's kind of their, their bread and butter rather than, well, I'm stuck with my PPHs, I'm stuck with my offshores. I'm still stuck. And I know you are kind, we're both kind of in the same boat. Like how long would it take you to get across the river from where you were? Not, not far. Like the morning of the Super Bowl, me and my brother-in-law went and got a coffee over on, it it took about 15, it takes about 15 minutes. I don't go, uh, I don't go every week. I don't do it for like every golf tournament for every big weekend in the NFL. But like, you know, if there's something, if there's something coming up that I want to do it, I'll go for it. But I, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of ways to get action down. And, and honestly, the thing is that, that I've realized is we are already transitioning out of, you know, free money being available all the time on these books, you know, free bets and promotions and stuff. Cause they're, uh, well, one thing is, is, you know, they did just spend so much money on customer acquisition and that that free money uh, windfall is really starting to decrease now, even on DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can say this, too, as someone who I delve a little into the affiliate side with some of the stuff I'm doing over just, you know, some of the SEO work and the writing with the various websites that Betsperts has acquired. And you get to know, like, one, well, you know, you have relationships with people at the sports books. And, and it's funny, too, because uh, think about, like, what's a really big sporting event where you could get a lot of, uh, a lot of potential new clients uh, this time, you know, or, you know, last month, I guess, is what I was going to say. And it's the Super Bowl. And uh, it's funny, you know, you get to, I get a little more peek behind the curtain and you find out sports books don't actually like the Super Bowl as a customer acquisition point because you get low quality customers you get people that put a hundred bucks in blow it all in the super bowl and they don't bet again until september or maybe they're out they're never so you know a lot of you people who did get you people who did get early some of these early offers like you were blessed because they were huge you know they call them bet bet and get like bet five dollars get 200 bet you know make any bet get a bunch of free money like those are going to be fewer and far between for you. The double dipping at various, you know, state to state at the same book is going to be harder now because those bet and, bet and gets are free money that they're giving away. And those are going to be more rare. You didn't see a lot of that around Super Bowl promotions because it's just way more expensive. So books are kind of scaling down on that. So the, the salad days of the just, hey, it's it's, it's propping up in a, in a state near you. 
go cash everything you want here. Go get all this free money, take advantage of it. That is starting to come to an end, although it is, you know, there's still ways to take advantage of free bets or risk-free bets and stuff like that. It's just, it's not quite as much of uh, an expected value as some of those uh, initials uh, offers were for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and it's sort of even more transitioning now. What I see more in terms of the free money available type stuff is the forced parlay apps actually do that stuff more often where they give away the free square, you know, Jalen hurts over 0.5 rushing yards in the super bowl or, or, you know, tiger woods to make one pot, just whatever. Um, and, and I actually think for the, the $100 better, right. The I'll deposit a hundred dollars for the super bowl, lose it all. I actually think the force parlay model is way more friendly for the average person who just wants to get a little bit of action on games than then than even the the crazy you know uh, the the sportsbook shot of the two hundred twenty to one same game parlay that hits. I like I like I've never heard it called forced parlay. I like that first off. That was something I didn't see coming. And uh, and again, pour one out, RIP, Monkey Knife Fight, who just, it's hilarious. I haven't logged on to Monkey Knife Fight in, I don't know, like pre-COVID probably. I, probably, it's, it's, yeah. And I got an email from them like, hey, you have $7.50 in your account. You should withdraw this. I'm like, Man, is it worth trying to figure out the password to that account at this point and see if it's even hooked up to my PayPal or anything. But, you know, that did exist a long time ago, but I didn't see this coming. The the prevalence of the prize picks and, you know, underdog has a pick'em game. Obviously, underdog is a lot different than just straight uh, force parlay pick'ems. They have a ton of best ball. Get into that that sort of traditional DFS evolution. But, yeah, the the we call them pick'em stuff, I guess. That's kind of the the parlance I've used with people in my circles, but the forced parlay stuff is good because I think just people are pretty bad at math. That's where the SGP stuff comes in too. Well, people, people are bad at math and people just take overs. They just, you just, I do it. I, I mean, I'm not a super serious, like I love to bet on sports, but I don't need to do it to sustain my lifestyle. So like if I want to place a 150 to one parlay, that for a game or something I'm going to be experiencing, you better bet I'm taking overs. Yeah. It's like six overs mashed into an SGP for sure. And it is funny. There's probably, you know, and I've talked to people and I've seen people who've done like uh, deep dives into stats and I can't remember exactly the time frame, but they said, Hey, here's a, you know, I scraped everything from pinnacle and or here's all the player props for the NFL last year. If you bet every single NFL running back blind under. under, it was, I mean, it was like a 10% ROI or, you know, something hilariously, you know, there's definitely a heavy shade to the over. And if you go look at, uh, and technically this was over, but at prize picks, um, I, I made some decent money just because God bless them. I had some people with some information. I made some decent money on prize picks with uh, some combine stuff. And basically, I think I played seven different guys 40 times. None of them were under. It, you know, it's the exact same thing. Everybody wants to bet uh, the most points scored in the fastest 40 time. Like, all the 40 times that I ended up in these entries were, over, like, slower, essentially, overs, over the time they set. And they all ended up, I, man, I, I wish I had taken a screenshot of the initial offerings. I bet, 
you know, like 90% of them moved in that direction to be, you know, slower rather than faster. And it's just kind of human nature to want to see, you know, it's, it's so tough to bet against stuff. And that's why you see like the player prop guys I know that do the best are just hammering, hammering unders. And, you know, it, it, there's so much of a, more of a long tail to unders anyway, with all it takes is a guy to tweak his ankle and say, ah, you know, there's more there's 82 games guys I'm, maybe I'll like play the the lines are normally fair right i i what i don't know 90 95 of lines are like pretty fair not maybe not in how they're priced but in how they're projected right so like you see anthony davis rebound prop 85 percent of nights you go check that against the best publicly available projection and it's probably going to be right about fair but you would very rarely want to be betting the over because you're not capturing any chaotic upside. You got no, you got no black swan in there, no injury, no blowout, nothing like that, right? It's all, all of that, all we're and weirdly, all the upside of those wagers is actually captured in betting the unders, and and I even can know that. And when I go the next time I go fire player props, I'm gonna be like, all right, who can go over? Who am gonna look there? Who's gonna go over their prop tonight? Yeah, and that, that's the biggest. Part of some, you know, the just not speaking into the media companies, but you see it sometimes from them. But you know, the the biggest uh, selling point on when somebody makes a player prop over, they say, "Hey, this guy has done this. He's he's achieved this in seven out of the last ten times." He seven did of it. his last ten times, and right? And it's like, you know, there's I have the sneaking suspicion that the people in charge of setting that price also know, know that, yeah, and. And it's still priced where it is. And, you know, obviously the guys who do really well with some of that stuff are, are able to figure out matchup stuff or just, you know, minutes, rotations, however they do it to figure out an actual good median projection and make some bets based on the pricing. So I, I, it's well beyond anything I've been doing, but it is funny how much uh, player props has come into, come into play too with a lot of the stuff we've done. I think it's because like the same game parlay is boring if it's just I'm taking – the Rangers in the over like that's not a fun same game parlay that's something I did 10 years ago at books that would let you parlay aside in the total and honestly eventually learned how to do it uh correlated if if you had some books that did let you do that and find some correlated you know dogs and unders in that sense but to add all the player props is what makes it exciting and you know I, I get the emails too from the the operators saying like you know this is some guy bet fifteen thousand dollars on this last night and he and he cashed for this like people want to see that people want the scratch offs that's why scratch offs sell like that's just another bad math like you can go look at how much how much a uh, scratch off costs it says the odds on the back <laughs> like it's just uh, it's i mean it's a fundraiser it's like a it's a raffle guys you know they they're, they need to take some of that money in minnesota we use that for the the outdoor you know whatever the wildlife fund they're not that's not the wildlife fund isn't doing that to lose money I'm like oh you know the scratcher players got us this month they got guess, yeah they they, guess, they game theoried us too hard so so guess, no wild no renovations for the wildlife this yeah, year yeah i guess all the loons are going to die now sorry guys yeah and i mean you know part of it is too i it's like who is who is doing the education you know who's like when you watch sports betting content on on fox or espn or whatever you know it's not like yeah you know you can bet uh, over five and a half, eight and a half strikeouts for Spencer Strider. But if it moves to, if the price moves to minus 130, you shouldn't bet it. You know, it's like no one's, 
doing that explanation. And I think we sort of all universally know that Americans are bad at math, including myself. I'm not really that good at math. I, I would say I'm more better at like logic problems than, yeah. than at math. Um, but even I, right. It's like, even I, it's like, well, if I, Spencer Strider is good at minus 115, it's probably good at minus 130. Right. And, and it's not, it's not, that totally changes what you're, what you're betting. No. And you know, like X times out of a hundred, it isn't going to matter. You know, and people will always hark and oh, it didn't matter last time I did this. It's still cashed. Like he went well over the total, but I mean, even this morning, I've seen people giving out Wake Forest minus two and a half in the ACC tournament. And a bunch of money came in on Wake Forest. It got steamed up. I think it closed a little lower. It came back down with some buyback, but it went up to four. And if you see your favorite personality betting Wake Forest minus two and a half, and you go to your book and it's three and a half, uh, what the hell's the difference? Like, I, I want to be aligned with this person. They're they're a winner. They They do well in this sport. They're smart. Wake Forest won by three today. Like it's, you know, it's not always going to come, but one or two losses over a hundred is just such a massive, a massive difference. And again, that goes back to the, we're all bad at math kind of a mentality as well. And especially when it just, when it comes down to, you know, the, the, the marketing and the stuff you see from sports books around some of that stuff as well. Yeah. And, and um, back to the, the player prop things, I think they're, they're even amongst people who are pretty good, who like maybe have played a lot of DFS, they have a subscription to a site. Like there are people who documented like crush props, like the, 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 um, the established the run team, I, I think for like two years in a row, they have like, like crazy ROI, like double digit ROI, NFL, NBA, crush the draft um ryan noonan uh who who uh works for for four for four yeah and, um he he found an angle of like what was it like tackle props where he was hitting like uh a really absurd clip but then then that the was problem... yeah that was one of my biggest bets in the super bowl it's like they finally i finally found like oh it's finally available like at multiple books for half decent limits and I don't even remember what player it was, but one of the ones he liked, I found at an even better price than he got offshore. And I hit it pretty hard. Like one of, obviously the the halftime show was the big casher for, uh, you know, bitch better have my money. But one of the, one of the chiefs defenders made me quite a bit of money and more along the lines, Ryan made me a bit of money. And I think, you know, and we've talked about it on the show before too. It's some of the niche betting like that, you know, you're going to get limited and that's part of the game too, but. If you're sitting there struggling and redepositing for just just hammering, you know the the sides and totals in the NFL, hammering on, on hammering a, NFL sides and totals, right? Yeah, on a, on a on a Sunday morning, just hammering them after the one of the most efficient markets this side of the the ocean is, you know, been hammered into place for a week. You're losing at that. I think that's kind of the you know just start thinking like you said, think logically. Like Ryan did, he he actually you know he does research into the scorekeepers excuse me, not scorekeepers, the statisticians, like the, the official, yeah, score, they're called, they're called scorekeepers. And I think NBA. it is stat. called, I think stat guys or whatever, you know, like, yeah, remember, remember the, uh, the controversy with, um, who was Jaron Jackson jr. The, the yeah. Memphis Grizzlies. They were Oh yeah, exactly. Scorekeeper was biased towards him. That, that I think was kind of a red herring. The, the, this is this, I don't think this is true anymore, but it used to be that the, uh, home new Orleans Pelicans scorekeeper used to boost Anthony Davis's rebounds and blocks and steals like 
to like a degree that it like needed to change. It was like it was like a ten or fifteen percent boost at home. Um, that that's like a real. I mean, that's really inside the weeds. But yeah, you bring up the problem, which is a lot of these books really have transitioned towards the what do they call it the european model you know basically that once you become someone who's really taken them and and you know you're getting a lot of closing line value on your bets like they're not taking any risk like not minimal risk adjustment like no risk like you you beat clv on a a sunday nfl game twice like that's it you're getting you're getting seven dollars and 87 cents down on stuff after that yeah, I have all of my, I have some legal accounts, you know, from signing up in, it's funny, I've signed up for legal accounts in four different states, I think. Same. At this, at Same. this point, Colorado, God, maybe I even was up in Michigan once and added one, but uh, most of it, Iowa. And my DraftKings account is clean as a whistle because it's like how you, how you say, like, you won't go across the river for anything. I don't drive. And again, it takes me a little longer. It's probably 25 minutes, maybe a half hour of traffic. And by traffic, I mean, I get behind a semi on this one county road that's on the way to Iowa. It's it's a little bit longer for me, and I won't go down there for anything. But DraftKings has a lot of bad prices on golf outrights once you get down the board. Like, hey, this guy is 80 to 1, 100 to 1 everywhere. And DraftKings is like 225. And it's like, if I honestly think this guy is has a, a decent chance at 100 to 1, and I have, to, you know, some of these high variance tournaments or you get in these alternate field tournaments where there's a bunch of bad names and somebody goofy is going to win and I'm betting a lot of long shots. I'll take a spin down there. So I'm like 0 for 90 on golf outrights at DraftKings. So my account's nice and clean. Like, you know, I've hit a few small bets when I'm traveling and stuff, but they, they hopefully that's keeping me around for a long time, honestly. It's funny you mentioned that. So my primary account that I've used, I only, I never got limited. I've had this account forever and I never got limited. They let me get whatever down and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get huge money down on a lot of these bets, but I got limited because I bet Shohei Otani to win American league MVP the year he won at 35 Mm. to one. I mean, I bet this, I probably bet it five times. It's the biggest sports betting win of my life. And like after I, when I went to go bet it the fourth or fifth time, the most they let me bet on it was like $12 or something. Cause it had, it had continued to move so much. And ever since then it limits the amount I can get down on parlays, like on any kind of prop builder or parlay, I can't bet more than like 20 or $25, which is hilarious because the trend line after that it's been down, you know, I, it's cause I'm mostly betting, I'm mostly betting golf outrights. Like I, I, I just honestly, I don't really have the work ethic to go in and like arb trade, you know, 0.5 differences on a stuff. Like I, and I know people do this people. uh, I forget the name of the guy. People are always mad at him on Twitter, but he like is always posting about how he's just arb trading across like 30 books and he just locks in profit or whatever. Um, Which is, I think a totally reasonable way. If like, that's what you want to do. I think it's a totally reasonable thing to do, but it's a lot of work, a lot of effort. Yeah, it's it's one of those things too. If you're very risk averse and you have the time, I've talked to somebody. I don't know this person personally. It's it was just like a a rando who DM'd, but they're limit betting player props across different books whenever they found ARB opportunities. And now you know there's obviously services that track that stuff and find it for you. Like uh, 
was it odds jam i think does some of that and you can look at best i mean that's, you can just that's the guy that people are always mad at oh yeah jam guy i and i i think he's a smart fella i followed him on twitter for a little bit and then i had to just stop because it's he just tweets like 900 times a day about the, and it's like, I, I just can't take all this information and I, I need, I need my timeline moving a little slower. So I, I think he's got stuff figured out, but uh, there's a lot of stuff everyone has to figure out. And yeah, the, the people that are arbing stuff, like if you can get, if you know, you're going to get, I mean, that's, that's the thing that makes it like 99.99% risk-free money. Like you have to know you're going to get paid. Because you can arb two grand on either side to win a hundred bucks, and that's a free hundred dollars. You can't lose. Either one is going to win, or the other one's going to win. And right. you know, if, if you found a true, you know, positive ROI arb play, but if you don't know a hundred percent that, uh, you know, if you're betting with, you know, uh, you know Larry down at the the VFW who gave you gave you an account on Ace and he might stiff you, then it's not really risk-free. So I think that's that's the only thing that scared me off that. The amount of time you'd put in if you ever got stiffed on that, you know, because it's it's all a small margin stuff. No one's ever arbing 100% ROI trades. It's, it's No, you're it's, arbing it's, like 0.03% trades. Yeah, you know, you, you wager four grand to win like 40 bucks, but it's a free 40 bucks. When you do that 100 times a week and boom, there you, you've, you've made a bunch of money, but... If all it takes is one guy to stiff you, uh, if you're using a you know a paperhead like that, or if you have issues with any sort of book, and I don't, and truthfully too, like we dogged on the the legal books a little for limiting the European model and stuff. I don't want to let all the offshores off the hook for that either. No, no, that that's yeah. okay. That's another good point. I because I've seen this. I and I'm sure you've seen this too. Oh, legalization ruins sports betting. Look at these legal books and, and, you know, they'll do a screen cap with a terrible price, right? They'll yeah. be like, it's minus 500 one side plus 200 the other side. Oh, I, I, I've seen, you're referencing the exact one I, I was thinking of. But it's like, but it's like, okay, one, we all know these offshore books do the same thing, right? They, they do. The, and, and even worse, a lot of these offshore books don't even offer minus 110 plus 110 on anything it's all minus 115 or you know it's it's all bad uh like pinnacle you can get fair i mean i've never i don't even have a pinnacle account but i just know from looking like sometimes you can get fair prices there um but yeah i do i think you make a great point which is that a, a lot of the condemnation of the legal books makes it sound like the offshore books are running this great model but really what it is it's is it's just a disappointment that sports betting legalization has come to the united states and it's come in a kind of half-assed form. Yeah, like, and it's not even, you know, I, I understand, like, the business side of things. If I'm running a sports book and somebody is just wrecking me and I'm seeing, like, eight accounts all betting the same stuff at the same time and they're limit betting and they're wrecking me, I'm probably going to do something about it. But it, it, it is disappointing that, you know, just these, we call them wreck plus. Like, you have just the donkeys who just, you know, I, I'm going to put – hundred bucks in on payday every week. And I'm going to lose it on the NBA by Saturday afternoon. Like that's life. And then, you know, people that just enjoy doing 20 bucks a week on parlays, like the scratcher guys, you know, the, you know, recreational playing just for fun. And then like rec plus is like, I don't want to do this professionally. I don't want to be risking tens of thousands every week, but I don't want to lose. I don't want this hobby to cost me money. I'd like to scratch out a little bit of winning. And those, you know, those are the people that, 
they weren't usually getting limited at, you know, the offshores. I mean, even, even bookmaker will limit you to certain things. I know people who have, usually it is going back to the niche betting, you know, it's, Hey, you know, you're betting the lowest levels of tennis at, you know, 250 a pop, which is our max. And you're winning a lot. Like, yeah, if you, if you beat, if you beat a book at challenger tour tennis, like you just kiss that account goodbye, I guess. Yeah, and and to to be fair to bookmaker, just they have some people I know have been limited in just certain markets like that. Like you still go bet a hundred thousand on a football game if you want, you're fine. But challenger tennis is you know we're just taking that off the board for you or whatnot. And obviously I won't I won't drag all the names, but there's do you, there's do you think that's do you think that's fair? Do you think do you think that is you know do you think that basically in uh and because you're these places are still competing for our business right Mm -hmm. offshore legal not whatever they're still competing for business i mean it does to me at a certain point it feels unfair that basically these large i mean let's call it what it is these are large multinational corporations worth billions of dollars allowed to basically say we can take your money to any extent we want. You have $100,000 on our website, you can lose $100,000 on our website, but we are not going to open ourselves up enough that you could take $100,000 from us. And I, I wonder, there's two trains of thought here. And the one is eventually they'll run out of, you know, the, the waves and waves of new players because all the states that legalized have legalized. And then at that point, your your customer acquisition becomes tougher. And it becomes mostly just people who are turning 18 or 21 or whatever in that state. And, you know, there's still, everyone's going to have an 18, you know, somebody turned 18 while we were talking just now. And it, you know, it happens every day. You're still going to find people who are transitioning from fantasy or TFS or turning 18, but it will slow down. That churn will start to catch up and they might have to think twice. And anyone who had that argument says, well, they've been doing this in Europe for a long time. And you know that they're just fine. Go look at how much the CEO of Bet365 makes. Like those, you know, the, the European model's working just fine in Europe. And again, the counter to that is uh, I don't know if it's something about the American mindset or Jesus, our manifest destiny like brains, but like we can't bet five bucks on something for the most part. And you go over, you go over there, and I've talked to people who've you know, been in shops over there. People are putting like, you know, just give me three quid on, on my side. Like they, they're treating it just like it's, it's fun. You know, they don't, they don't need like several hundred dollars on their local football team every weekend. To, no, it's to like, it's like, let they, me get, let me get six bucks on Crawley town or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they, they do bet quite a bit differently over there. The, the average bet set is much, much, you know, smaller for the recreational better. So maybe that's going to be the difference here, but I I think it's, you know, business sucks. Go watch the founder, man. (laughs) I have that in my head because I watched that, you know, a few weeks ago, but like, you know, Ray Kroc was an SOB, says so in the song. And uh, sometimes it just, you know, sometimes it's just like if if the market and by the, the market, I mean, the consumers are going to let them get away with that. And, Again, the the regulatory agencies don't seem to be, you know, concerning themselves with much of that. It's more along the lines of, you know, their top concern is usually problem gambling or making sure that that's being addressed by everybody and making sure. And that that is, I'll bring that up in a moment, but, uh, you know, there's no, there's no recourse. (laughs) 
you know? So you just move on. You either get new accounts somewhere else, try to get some clean accounts with your wife, or you just start going, go back to betting uh, offshore. So if there's no recourse and they're still, you know, the numbers still look good. And I'm guessing for FanDuel, especially the numbers still look great. And I don't, I don't think there'll be much of a change in that, in that sense. Which just, I mean, to me, that feels, uh, to me, that feels very uh, inherently unfair, which is that all the risk is being taken on by the people. No risk. I, I guess, I guess you wouldn't say no risk is being taken on by FanDuel and DraftKings and BetMGM and whatever, yeah. because they're still they're Well, they're still huge businesses that have employees or whatever. And, and maybe tomorrow everyone will decide sports gambling is bad and they don't want to do it anymore or whatever like that. Like that's definitely like some of these books are going to go under, they're just going to run out of operational costs. Oh, we've um, already seen that if, you know, if you to Fubo and, you know, there's been a small, a small, f- smattering of books that got into it and just you know hey i don't have the spend i can't compete you even see that when a new state opens um and again this is some stuff that i haven't i wasn't privy to a couple years ago i didn't understand the the affiliate side as well but a new state opens and you would think well every sports book hey we have to get everybody right now Like today's day one of legalization in Virginia, Massachusetts, what have you. I got to go grab as many customers as I can. We've seen that recently where some of the sports books who aren't DK and FanDuel essentially just won't market for a few weeks. They'll just hold back because they know like, hey, we've tried to spend as much as the the big dogs spend. And just just ran out of money. That's that's just pissing. It's just pissing into the wind. And the conversion rates, you just wait a few weeks and be like, hey, you know, uh, did you already burn up your bonuses on the other two books? Like, come check out, you know, hey, we're Caesars and we have we have some tier credits for you too if you want to stay at one of our properties. And here's another bonus. You've seen a little more of that where, you know, there are some operators that are getting a little smarter about how they're spending their money because it felt just like the $400,000 crack party, you know, at first, the, at first where everybody was just, I mean, you'd see it on Twitter. People were just bitching and moaning. Like, does every other commercial have to be for a sports book when they'd watch sports, which it's like, shit, go to, go to Australia or something. Right? I have, I have heard a lot of, um, there's been a lot of pushback amongst, uh, sort of like, you know, lib lib type sports writers. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of NBA writers just being like, "Why the fuck do I get?" You know, I'm trying to watch Lakers Heat, and it's just like FanDuel this, DraftKings that. So let's you know, which I like. I'm I'm a little sympathetic to. You know, if I like, I'm sure there's some advertising product that's out there that I see that I'm like, all right, like enough, enough. I don't need to see another Bachelor commercial or whatever. And and also you know, maybe to some degree, a little bit sympathetic to the idea that like, you know, sports should exist for more than just wagering purposes. Like these guys shouldn't just be like gladiators that are there for me to bet $8, same game parlays on, you know, but I don't know, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's anything to be done about that, but like, I do, I do get it. And I do think at a certain point, these companies, and we for sure saw this with DFS for sure, 2016 era, like people just got so sick of the DFS commercials that they were like, I'm never doing this. I'm never logging onto these dumb websites. Yeah. I I'm more sympathetic to, Hey, we've got announcer X or, you know, color broadcaster Y who 
has been doing this, you know, sport for 40 years and doesn't gamble. He's not, you know, Al. Yeah. We're, why are we making Lee Corso pick against the spread? Yeah. Like, and you see some awkward, cringy moments where it's like, they clearly don't want to talk about gambling. They don't understand it that well. And they're being forced to, I kind of hate that. Cause it's like, I get it. Put it on the screen on the broadcast and, you know, win percentages are something that, I mean, that's win percentage is just a betting line. Truthfully, betting lines are just percentages, guys. And that's been crazily underutilized on like broadcasts for many, many years. But, you know, at the same time, it's just like fantasy. And that was the argument for fantasy or DFS after that was, is it really so bad if it's bringing eyeballs to the screen? You know, if this guy wasn't going to watch the NBA game, but then he did because he has a, you know, a the leagues, the leagues yeah. love it. Yeah, the, the leagues, leagues, the leagues it. for sure have to be, you know, obviously see what the what the deals being struck. But and I, I think anyone who's even involved in the sports, the announcers, the uh, people who are enjoy the sport and enjoy seeing it thrive, have to understand like it's it's just good for the sport to get more eyes on it. Right. And I, you know, th- I mean, this is kind of neither here nor there, but I, uh, I, I was reading an Ethan Sherwood Strauss Substack the other day and he mentioned an, an angle that I had not considered, but actually sports betting legalization has been low key, pretty good for women's sports. More people are watching women, women's tennis always does pretty well. Cause women's tennis is kind of like a different game. W- yeah. Women's tennis is good. I, I, I actually kind of prefer no unpopular opinion, but I, I think the women's side of the bracket is generally pretty good. But WNBA, women's soccer, like NWSL, women's Super League type stuff, actually has all kind of seen slight upticks across the board in the last two years. And a lot of a lot of people pretty, I think, pretty reasonably think that it's because men who beforehand would not have been watching it or tuned in at all are betting on these games now. Yeah, I know a lot of people who were able to really pick apart WNBA markets, you know, even, you know, three, four years ago, where it's just like, oh, like there's clearly like tendencies with this ref and, you know, these players and these numbers just like wildly up. You'd see massive steam on like first half totals in the WNBA a few years ago where it just, I I don't think the, the market wasn't there for betting it. And there weren't enough, you know, sharp betters in that market to hammer it down one way or the other, or they just, they weren't, you know, getting that much down. So it didn't matter, but enough people started to get involved in WNBA. And I mean, you're probably right. It's, it's, it's just going to be good for women's sports overall. I, I can say I haven't bet in any NWSL, but I did bet every single, what was, what was the last one? Euros? Is it the Women's yeah. World Cup? I, I bet, I bet, I bet every, I bet every, the Women's Euros was amazing. The England yeah, women are, the England women are, ba- that's actually so funny. People are going to be. That was my one future. I said, it's same. It's not even, it's yeah. not even close guys. And, um, and then, yeah, I, the shtick was on the daily show I did that I'm going to bet every single match and hopefully the England bails me out in the end and. I was like, get, getting the future almost nice as well, but that's that's super fun. I'm I'm super looking forward to the Women's World Cup. Well, people are going to be bummed out though when they realize that the England women are better than the U.S. women now. Like I think that because the U.S. the U.S. women have been so good for so long, and I I think the well, I think the English women are clearly better. Like they're really good. Yeah, that'll be it's, it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like the first time the dream team lost, where you're just like, oh, we had. 
what happened? We had Michael and Larry and Magic, and we always just won, and that went on for years. And then finally, you know, the, the rest of the world kind of started playing basketball. It was like almost unfair. It feels like, you know, the U.S. just like, um, you know, subsidized. Hey, you guys should have a team so we have more teams to play in the, the Olympics. Yeah, we play soccer, guys. Well, maybe just get five guys rounded up so we can beat you by 40 here in the first half. But that'll be interesting. I hadn't heard that take yet. I hadn't really looked ahead to the World Cup or the prices. I would guarantee right now the USA would be favored over England just in the futures markets. So that's pretty interesting. I could I could get some more, you know, it's coming home. Yeah, the US is I mean, these are these are the FanDuel odds. The US women are three to one. The English women are three and a half to one. Then it's honestly a bunch of teams that can't. I I just Germany (laughs) and Spain. They're just not yeah. as good. They're just like the U.S. And, and English women are so much better than everyone else. Spain Spain is close, but the gal who just won the women's Ballon d'Or has a torn ACL. So I don't even know if – I don't think she's – she didn't play in the Euros, and I don't think she's going to be able to play in the World Cup either. Yeah. There was – and anyone who believes in like – oh, God, I don't even want to get into the topic of like it's rigged and sports are rigged. That's a whole different conversation. Dude, read day. read more books, bro. Read, read, read just, more. If, read you, if, you just, if you just read more books, you'll learn it's all rigged. FanDuel, what happens is is Clint Capella is just needs one more rebound in the fourth quarter. And what happens? Vegas is, calls. Yeah. No, just someone at FanDuel. You know, it's their job. They monitor like, okay, you know, what is, uh, you know, Patriot, USA Patriot, 40, 20, 69, He's about to take us for $112. So what we need to do is we got to call Nate McMillan. I guess Nate McMillan's not their coach anymore. We got to say you got to tell you got you well, got to tell he was. You got to tell exact back then, and you got to tell Capella no more rebounds. You about to get one? You better stop, dude. You're going to cost us $112. I know it's a whole. We, we went down a mini rabbit hole there, but I was just going to say soccer is rigged for sure. Like there's been draws that have been rigged, and that's how you'll tell. Like if they make it so. Basically, USA and, and England win their groups and they'll be on opposite side of the knockouts. Like, I guess it's probably a 50-50 chance that happens anyway, but I would really, really doubt there's a scenario where USA and England win their groups and are somehow on the same side of the bracket. Because that ruins No, no chance. Like that, yeah, that, that, ruins, ruins, that ruins the final. That is the final. I mean, it's it's like the Niners and the Cowboys playing every year in the AFC, or NFC title game. Like, hey, this is the real final. So they want that in the championship game for sure. Yeah, the, the rigged – oh, my God. And, you know, maybe that is worth talking about. It's like I feel, you know, the joke people make, like what's the moment that happened, you know, in the past that would have been the most wild if we had Twitter and everyone had – and there's usually some good poignant comments about that. But I wonder if we didn't have Twitter and social media like we do, if if people would be like the way they are with some of this stuff where, oh, my God – uh, you know, I lost my same game parlay because this player got hurt right away and it's rigged and I want a refund. There's a weird sense of entitlement. And at first I was, you know, I was kind of sympathetic to the people that wanted refunds. Never. Where it's like, where it's like Never. you know, no. maybe that's. How it, could you be sympathetic to these people? I know I, I this was very early on and I feel stupid even saying this, but it was like, it had only happened a couple times and it's like, you know, it's almost like a bonus or a, a boost that the book gives you. It's like, what's the worst thing they can do? Say no? Yeah, that's fine. So, like, the people that were asking and then they would get refunds, it's like, you know, that's just kind of game theory. Like, if enough people bitch about it on Twitter, maybe you'll get it. 
But then it started to turn into they wanted it every night for now. Everything. Now it's a now it's a meme. Now it's now yeah. it's anytime a guy leaves in the second quarter. Now it's 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 it. Yeah, I mean, I don't like theoretically. I don't hate it as a one-time sort of um, you know. Pr- basically, it's a promotional expense, right? Right. Yeah. You know, uh, sportsbook Sportsbook X does this as a promotional expense. It's it's really no different than saying you know, we'll, we'll boost this, you, you know, we'll boost these three guys to make six three-pointers combined from plus 110 to plus 150, right? It's very, very similar in the amount of money or the amount of equity that you're going to be losing. But, it, well, I've, to, your, to your first point, no, social media has completely rotted our brains, mine included. Yeah. My brain is so rotted from social media and the internet. It's like unbelievable. But, but, the 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 voiding the tickets it just it does it makes it so much worse it's terrible and my favorite part about the conversation we just had was how little i knew about what was going on in women's soccer still dan producer dan let me know that the draw is already out and they i did i did not know no, that he said that if they win their groups they will be on opposite sides of the brackets read more books guys Get to get Read. to understand get to understand what's going on over there in in some of these uh, soccer draws. I'm pumped for it for sure. Um, I did I did want to I kept uh, kind of hinting at this, but you know you maybe talk about it too. Some people that don't know your history as well, like how long have you been you know doing DFS stuff? I mean, just kind of as long as it existed. Yeah, I mean, I I had accounts on sites that people, if I said the names of them now, they would think it was like a parody, like Daily Joust and Draft Day and stuff like that. I've there was one that. with there was one with Ace in the name, like Aces, Fa- Fantasy Draft? Aces, yo, Fantasy oh, Aces. On, oh yeah, I was on Fantasy Aces. Probably have a Fantasy Aces shirt because I'm in my basement oh, right now. There's probably a Fantasy Aces shirt somewhere down here. Yeah. Um, which is like it's sort of interesting because I'm like a dinosaur now. Like people, the amount of um, people who really care about DFS outside of NFL is like pretty low. Like NBA DFS is for like niche grinders only, and MLB DFS is kind of like niche grinders only. Like the the stuff that I see sort of dominating the conversation is player props, forced parlay slash pick'em contests, and and actually. People really love best ball, which I think totally makes sense because it's like I get to lock up a season's worth of entertainment and I probably won't win, but I probably won't lose that much either. Like you're going to get some reasonable amount of your money back and then it's kind of like found money once you get it back a couple months later yeah. or whatever, which is which is nice. And and honestly, the, the uh, underdog specifically has done such a good job with marketing and advertising, but... Yeah, DFS, but just the it's kind of like the people who've grinded DFS forever still grind it, but they're not like too many new players entering the ecosystem. You don't you don't get asked about who do you like tonight in DFS at like you know a dinner party or whatever. No one cares. No, and it's stupid how easy the best ball idea was. The the dumbest ideas are the best. Because it's just like, what if you did the fantasy draft and that was it? Like, and you know, there, there were, I, I know some guys that were in an old school fantasy league that didn't allow tra- trades for like many, many years, which is just wild. Like that's, uh, I think the thing that fantasy players like the best, but it's best ball really, really fit what I was looking for because I love the draft. And then I just hate waiver wire shit. Like I can't, 
I can't sit and grind waiver wires and like look at all these trades. Like I keep saying I'm going to get into dynasty because you know, we have, I work with the DLF guys now and I I'm going to do it, but I don't think I can do it. Like, I no, don't, dude, the, I, no, I don't know. I, so that, that's such a grind too. Like, my, that's, that's so my, a year. my take would be, it's uh dude it's actually so fun like like i play in these leagues that like you know i do the main event like i got thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars out on these leagues but i probably spend my most time sweating out like 50 dollars super flex best ball dynasty leagues because they are it's just dude it's like a, a crazy feeling to be like i put these players together over like five years and now i'm finally about to win it's like i i recommend dynasty to everyone it is it is like actually a blast I mean, I could do dynasty best ball stuff. Let's just, I'm talking about. Yeah, like, that's, what, that's what we do. So we have yeah, the yeah, off yeah. season. We have the off season where you can trade and you do the rookie draft and, and all that stuff. But then week one comes no trades, no roster movement. It's just the points at the end. You come and check back in four months. Well, and, that, and that's kind of the question I've been tending at a little. It's like, does all this forced parlays, you know, dynasty best ball, best ball, regular best ball, all this other. And then again, the stuff I got into just this week, Rainmakers, which is a oh, byproduct man. byproduct of something else. Like, you know, does, I wonder if DFS evolves that much at all, if we don't see legalized gambling, because there was such a healthy community. Like there was a, everybody, I knew guys that would do that on Sundays. They'd get together and they'd all throw in a hundred bucks and they'd pick teams together. I felt like that gave him a better edge. It's like, uh, oh, we'll pool our money together and we'll all draft teams. And the, you know, that never really worked out. But like before sports betting was, you know, out of the shadows a little, like DFS was really, really big. And I wonder if some of the evolution is due to that too, because they know, like, hey, we got to come up with some new ideas. We can't just sit and rest on this one. I, I mean, I think that is, I think that is a hundred percent true because uh, at a certain point, the business model for DFS doesn't scale because of the time issue which is that the best players can enter into all contests so like if you think about it like poker phil ivy can't sit down and play two five at the mohegan sun right like he just he doesn't have the time he doesn't have the ability but in dfs that's not true right if you are one of the 10 best you got the best computer you got the best sims whatever you can enter into every contest there's no limit. You can be in every sport, every slate, every showdown slate, every like it's just. And so, so much of the money is going to funnel upward. And at a certain point that doesn't make sense for the sites, right? Because like it, when you, a super user is good to fill contests, but it's not good because it, they take so much money out of the ecosystem. And so something had to intervene where the sites themselves got to get a larger part of the pie other than just, you know, 10% rake. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. It's the same thing as what we talked about with the, you know, if the European sports betting model continues to thrive and the churn goes up and, you know, the, the low end players don't, you know, you take their money too fast essentially, or, you know, the medium level players, it's like, Hey, maybe this guy wasn't going to beat us long-term, but now we're not going to find out. You know, that I bet a lot of players who get banned or limited weren't actually going to be, you know, negatives on your balance sheet in the long term. So it's funny. It's the same kind of thing that I've not heard anyone make that point. Actually, I I, that's you were the you were the first one to make that point that a lot of these people who get limited or uh, banned, whatever. Actually, if you would have let them bet with you for a year, 
you would have ended up making money off them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's, there's people that can get, there's people that can get CLV by accident, you know, over, over a short period of time. They just, they luck their way into a few good entry points and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this guy's sharp. We're cutting him off. It's like, no, nah, it turns out that guy was going to deposit, you know, a thousand dollars a month and lose it for the next six years. Like you, you done screwed up a eh, Ron. Like you, you could have, you could have had a pretty good player. I think there's probably a lot of that when you, when you're too fast to the jump. And I mean, I've even heard, and again, this wasn't super substantiated, but it goes back to the ARB thing. I've back in the day, there was always rumors of certain offshores had, you know, they kept an eye on pinnacle because pinnacle was so low vig that there was often opportunity and usually these recreational books were so tilted towards favorites and overs that you could take an under there and you could over there was overlay with the pinnacle number where you could just you could arb a few pennies every time with their unders and pinnacles overs or you know favorites dogs however you want to say it and they had they ended up putting stuff in place that would just check like if somebody was only betting into lines that were arbable at pinnacle they would they would flag that customer and they said like well that can happen on accident you know there's just right. so much overlay like somebody just bets a few unders here and it's suddenly like oh this guy's this guy's beating us we need to get rid of him i i never <clears throat> i never did see that substantiated but it made it make sense from a, if i'm looking for people who are going to be problems for me long term i mean i what i've heard is that a lot of this stuff is algorithmically driven you know it's not that they it's not that they have uh, I mean, these places do have risk managers or whatever. In fact, I had uh, I had uh, Eric Patterson on the show a couple weeks ago, who's like who does risk management for the score uh, for for their golf stuff, which is sort of interesting. Like, I mean, that seems it seems like a crazy job to have to try and be like, well, we can't yeah. lose too much on Tiger this week, fellas. It's sort of sort of basically that job, but uh, you know, basically, it's like they a lot of these books think within like ten bets they can kind of profile you as as a customer so one of the one of the things that i've always done because i have no idea if this is true or whatever but go to a new state go to a you know i'm i'm okay i'm in uh, i'm in color i was in colorado for vacation i went skiing i funny i went skiing uh two weekends ago uh and drew's drew's out skiing now and first thing i did get off the plane i fired three overs immediately not for a ton of money or anything but i just was like i'm just gonna fire some overs here just, just in case, right? Just in case, like, not even that I think I'm going to steal all of, you know, the gambling money available in Colorado or that I'm some whale or something, but just be, kind of because mm. I kind of just want to want to test it a little bit to see if it's true or not. Um, but yeah, that is, that is one thing I've heard is that if you beat CLV or if you like crush a book on your first 10 bets or whatever, a lot of times that's something that'll flag up right away. Yeah. <clears throat> Another way you can go is, Take take your first fifty bucks and lose it at blackjack. <laughs> you know? Oh See? yeah, <laughs> um, I can't is... even, dude. I can't even. I can't even open that. If I open, if I, I open know. the online blackjack, it's like that's not going to end well for me. Uh, noops, noops got me into playing some roulette and craps online. I actually won some money. I felt, I felt like, uh, oh god, this is a bad thing. It's a, it's a super bad thing that I actually won some money. But that's good. I mean, cover play. Casino is probably even better. I mean, I've I've seen stats and I read an article. I can't remember who put it out, but they talked about like the true future of these sports books, the money that they're going to make. And we didn't even get into this yet. Is if the churn starts to go and they start to lose enough sports betting players, 
like the focus is quickly going to turn to, hey, we need online casino players because, and that's, oh God. Dude, how just, big how how big is that market? Like are people it's really big. And that the problem gambling aspect of that is so much bigger. Because yeah, somebody can so dunk much away, bigger. Somebody can dunk away all their money on sports betting too, but like I feel like a lot of people, the barrier to entry there is I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm not gonna do that where or even even everybody knows I, how to play roulette. I think, I think, no, I think it's, I think you're wrong. I think the barrier is like, everyone's cool smoking weed. Sports betting is like smoking weed. Everybody smokes weed, dude. You know, yeah. your dad will take an edible after Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. But, but online roulette is like heroin where it's like, if you're doing this, you have a problem. So it's like, honestly, I think it's the fear. I think it's the, I think it's the, the societal stigma on playing online slots or whatever that would that would i mean that's what maybe i'm just speaking from my own perspective but that's what would keep me from doing it. i played first time ever went to new york 2019 we went over the bridge to go to a, a giants game and i of course immediately downloaded. it was my first legal sports betting experience outside of vegas downloaded FanDuel app right away put some money on i'm like oh shit they got they got blackjack dude i'm in jersey i'm playing and all and all of a sudden i'm in the back of an uber playing fucking blackjack on my phone and i'm like dude this is this is not right this is dangerous oh you can play three hands at a time oh that seems like something i might be interested in well that's the thing too like if i <clears throat> i don't want to portray myself as a problem gambler here but like I, I live like an hour from three different casinos all in different directions roughly so like it's it's kind of a pain in the ass for me to go to the casino i don't as much as i used to you know we used to do that a lot when we were younger when I own my own business, uh, a lot of Fridays would be, hey, we should just go to the casino until it's time for our wives to get off work. That would happen a lot. But, like, you know, if if it's 10 p.m. at night on a Tuesday, I tell my wife I'm driving 45 minutes up to uh, Treasure Island up on the river here. Like, that's going to be a problem for me. But if I going to say, having, having a yeah. wife is a pretty good cure for not just going to the casino for three yeah. hours on a Tuesday. But if I go hide in the den and play on, you know, the DraftKings casino, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna know the difference. And I think that's where, you know, that's where some of these problem gamblers are gonna be like, it's the same thing. The barrier for entry is like, well shit, I gotta drive all the way to Detroit to go to MGM, or I go hide in the bathroom and play roulette and the wife won't know. And I I really worry about some some people once that's there, because you're already seeing that. Like I see a lot of uh, ads that come across Twitter for the casino, like you know the the engagement farmer ads where it's or the engagement farm tweets where they're like, "Hey, here's a helmet for the Jets." Like, who's the first person you play think of? That's fun. Like everybody loves that shit. But I've seen one. It's it was just a picture of roulette wheel. Like, what number are you placing? Like, it's like it's that's not as fun. That's that's, that's that's so low effort. Yeah, it's it's just low effort. It's like that's your ad. Like, God damn it, that's probably gonna work when people say like, "Oh, I can play roulette at DraftKings." I, I bet there's people that just have no idea that that exists. And I worry, and hopefully, some of the things I have seen, uh, Ohio went legal recently, and they were a huge pain in the ass in a good way with some of the wording you could use around because a risk-free bet is not a free bet. And there's been for years, it's been phrased that way in sportsbook marketing and Ohio just said, guess what? Nobody 
is using the word free anywhere. You can. I think you, that's good. Yeah, I think, and, I think that's. I think that's good. So, it was kind of tricky to to work around that for a lot of advertisers, which is fine. That such is life. That's their job. But hopefully, that's kind of a harbinger of things to come. As far as uh, all the worries I have about the the online casino stuff, if some of these regulatory agencies do actually take a stand on, hey, we're not going to let you guys, you know, be quite so predatory anymore, maybe that's a that's a good sign here as we go along too. Yeah, but I mean, like also at the same time, I do I like the idea of like not allowing people to donk off and get in a hundred thousand dollars of debt playing online blackjack. But I do I think I just. Uh, I don't know. In my opinion, if you're gonna if you're gonna cosplay as a free market economy, which I think a lot of people would argue is what is happening in the United States, like it's it's neither uh, we're, we're really what it is is it's corporate socialism, right? The the consumers, the people take on all the risk, and any time a business comes too close to failing, it ends up getting bailed out. And I hate that model. I hate that model for sports books because I can log on to my DraftKings account right now, bet a thousand dollars on the PSG money line and no one's going to, no one's going to, you know, like, Oh, no one's, no one's refunding me. No one's, no one's propping me up if I lose. But if I log into DraftKings and take them, you know, I hit uh, a same game parlay on them. And then I try and do another one. They're going to be like, no, the most you can win is 800 bucks. Sorry, dude. I wouldn't bet PSG now. There's just not enough time. Yeah, they're they're down to zero now. I think three on aggregate. So Ugh. things things are over for well, they just weren't as good this year. Um, yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying there too. It's tough. It's tough because how are the rich gonna get richer if we don't let them? And and again, what's the recourse? Here. Well, I'm not even saying there needs to be any, like if, if the sports books are going to be worth, uh, you know, if they're going to make a billion dollars a year, like whatever, you know, uh, uh, th these are consenting adults entering into an agreement. But what I don't like is that an, uh, an American citizen has the ability to literally go broke betting on sports, but I don't have the ability to recoup that money at a certain point. They would tell me you can't win anymore. And I, I basically think that that should not be allowed. I just, I think I think in a country that's going to pretend to have a free market, I think that the legal, the I think that part of the and obviously this is never happening. Like this is total pie in the sky shit. But I think that basically they should be like, I think it should be written in that you can't limit someone just because they're beating you for a bunch of money. Like get better, set better lines, whatever. That would be nice. It's, it's, I, that's I, that's a soapbox type thing. I know, me. I know, and I I wonder too. And you, you we've got what were the fantasy aces and draft, and I can't even think of the other ones you said because man, that's so long ago. But you wonder, and maybe I'd like to hear your prediction on this. You know, essentially, and granted, you know, underdog and the force parlay things are different. They're not FanDuel and DraftKings. Like it's different. It's totally Fan, different. FanDuel yeah. and DraftKings are what we call, what I call legacy DFS. And the, yeah, you can do a little of that in a few other places, but they're it. Like, there's two shops, guys. And honestly, maybe there should only be one, which we've seen from FanDuel lately in the DFS world. But, like, is that what you, is, I've, I've seen people make that prediction. Like, eventually the consolidation comes, just like it did in DFS, and you only have a couple operators. And then maybe... Maybe you see a little more regulation in that where it's just like, hey, you guys already have a monopoly. 
you guys have well that's kind of that's kind of the opposite of what happens though theoretically theoretically having 15 different sports books to choose from should actually make them want to take your action more and should actually make them want to offer more fair prices than they do and not offer you know outright markets on the players championship without a 30 percent hold but it doesn't it doesn't happen and I mean, the, the big issue is that none of the legislators legislating any of this, they got no fucking clue. They don't know what a hold is. They don't know about, it's just, it's, and I mean, that's kind of true. That's sort of, uh, uh, you know, it's like, um, oh, Gelman, have you heard of Gelman amnesia, which is like, you read an article in the newspaper that you know about and you're like, everything in this is wrong. And then you turn the page and you read an article about water crisis in Myanmar and you're like, this is you know, you're locked in, you're like, but it requires you basically forgetting what you just realized 30 seconds before. And, and it's sort of like, I guess it's sort of the inverse of that where we know about this sports betting stuff real close. And we're like, well, obviously it should be legislated in X, Y, and Z different way, but the legislation for this other thing, that seems fine. Right. And I, it's just that there, there's no specialists available in the government to make sure that this is legislated properly. No, it's been, you know, it's probably just too far, too deep into its infancy still where, you know, a lot of these guys could tell you a ton about, hey, this farm subsidy bill is just fucked because yes. like, look what's going to happen because we've been doing it for so long. And you get these people that are asked to vote and make decisions on sports betting. They're like, I don't know, 10% tax. That sounds about right. And it's the same thing too when you see these reports and it says, here's how much money the sports folks made in this state over this period of time. And a lot of people would look at that and be like, well, they did pretty good. And someone who actually knows, like, they did too well. Like, that's a problem. Like, that's that's going to be a very big long-term problem for them because, again, they're just churning through people too fast. They're not going to be replacing those people because they won too much too quick. And at that point, you know, a lot of the, the big volume betters are getting limited. All the shitty betters, you know, big a volume of people are quitting because they just got the shit kicked out of them by, you know, 20% holds. And at that point, you're, you know, a year, two years from now, those numbers are going to look horrible because you bled people dry too fast. And I don't know. It'll be interesting. Basically, every, every guess I've had at the, how things are going to go has been... A little wrong other than, you know, the consolidation starting to happen. I don't even know if it'll be true consolidation, more of like, hey, if you're too small, if you're not like the big five, you just might be done. Unless you take a Circa model where, you know, hey, we're not going to go to every state. You know, Circa won't ever be in New York because yeah, the, they, char- the, they charge them too much money the tax rates are too high. Like they're only going to be in States where it's feasible for them to, to work on their models. So I think there'll be, there'll be operators like that, but they just won't be in the markets that, that people want, that them, you want because, them to be in. Yeah. Because it's like, well, we're not going to come there because we're going to, we're going to lose or we're going to have to change the way we do business and we're not doing either. So see ya. So yeah, I wonder what, what we see in like three years if it's just four or five sports books and then a few that run that kind of model that are, very limited as far as which you know municipalities which you know states they're in yeah um so in canada is it is it does it work the same way like i i know for a long time in canada they used to do they used to do the forced parlay model but in a different way you just opened up the menu and you're like yeah you gotta you gotta parlay everything but i i guess i mean i guess i should ask 
Mayo about this. I, but I assume it's, I assume it's similar there. The, the regulations up there are wild. Like essentially affiliate marketing is not a thing. They, they really have some weird regulations. I don't fully understand. They have a ton of operators and there's so many different rules from, from province to province, I must said state to state, but yeah, the old pro line stuff, we actually had plus CV on years ago to talk about that because he, you know, it's the same thing as, <clears throat> you know, there's people that beat same gay parlays guys, because we say like, Hey, we're bad at math. Not everyone's bad at math. There's people that understand the correlation. No. And, there's and the people, <laughs> so you make a great point, which is that if you can figure out what the algorithm is doing, if you can figure out how it's pricing things and what its blind spot might be, that is huge. Like um, I have a buddy in you know one of these Discord gambling chats. One of the things he figured out was that the DraftKings algorithm was treating the running back rushing yards and receiving yards and rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns like they were uncorrelated or negatively correlated. But actually, if you think about it, it's not because – it's probably like Christian McCaffrey's having a great game. So he just gets a bunch of yards and gets a bunch of touches. Those are probably positively correlated. And that was one of the, that was one of the things or like treating uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, like they were uncorrelated or negatively correlated when they're not, they're actually probably likely to do it together or whatever. Um, so you're right. I'm not one of these people, but there are people who do beat these parlays to some degree. Yeah. Cause like, let's just, I mean, let's really separate. Let's say PSG, Versus Bayern, which is over at this point, and something happening in the United States, like a, a spring training game that's in Arizona. There's no, they're worlds apart, different sports. You know, people who are watching the PSG game probably don't even know what uh, spring training is for baseball. Like the, the level of correlation is zero. So if it's both minus 110, it's just, you know, 2.6. Like that's your parlay price. Or three points, you know, plus two sixty. That's your parlay price is just multiplying that, and like the the level of correlation once you get into the same game parlays is something that probably it, it not probably it can be solved, and there's people that are working on that. But at the, at that point too, like those people are gonna be like it's the same thing. It's a lot of work to probably just get limited, and it's a lot of fun, but. You know, the, every every solution you find ends up just creating more problems, honestly, in the long run with some of that stuff. So it, it probably does require cover play. And it does, again, harken back to thinking those pro-line ones where, I mean, some of the shit he would place would be like a million, you know, not a million to one, but huge, stupid odds. And it's like, hey, this is, you know, this is a really big long shot, but in the right conditions, the correlation between all these things is so high that like it shouldn't pay 400 to one like this should be you know much well much, that's slower that's and, a, it just uh, takes a few well that's another thing too is is the difference between making a plus ev wager and realizing that equity like people don't make that like you like just the point at which you've you've made a wager that you consider to be plus ev like that's all that matters it doesn't you know, like it, if you if you're on a this is actually something that people have a hard time with in DFS is they're like, oh yeah, you know, I've won, I won three GPPs this year. I'm I'm a winning player or whatever. It's like, well, maybe I mean, maybe maybe you are, or maybe yeah. you just sun run or whatever, you know, or or I I'm I'm losing, but it, like you know, my my 
my lineups were, my lineups were good. My lineups were unique, like just whatever, whatever it might be like it's. And I mean, I have a hard time with that too, but realizing the distinction between expected value and like realizing that expected value is, is hard. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a massive sample size and sometimes you still just lose. Like I see outliers with stuff all the time with people like just, you know, this guy's that bets tennis, like, uh, you know, a retirement can hurt you or help you. He went, you know, it was so many matches in a row where the retirement hurt him, where it's, you know, that's the sort of stuff like, Hey, this game went to overtime and it was a pick em. Like, you know, not everything is, is 50, 50, but on a long scale, if you bet a pick em in a basketball game, it goes to overtime and nothing is materially changed. Like you should probably win half of those, you know, just on average. And if you beat the line by a bunch, you should win by more of those. And sometimes it takes a really big sample size to get that. And sometimes you just never get there. I, I see that a lot too, with people who come out hot in some sports, like well, I'm really good at this. I'm like, yeah, if you are this year, like I've, I've had that experience too with stuff. It's like, I gotta, I gotta update some things, it's, you know, something that worked last year isn't working this year. And, at this point, you know, I've had, uh, I've had donking money away. I've had four second places in golf already this year. Four doesn't, yeah. doesn't feel very good. Feels pretty yeah. bad actually. Yeah. I had, I had Morikawa in the first tournament of the year, <clears throat> which when I essentially spent that money, I think he was like minus eight fifty going into the fourth round. It was, uh, I had, I had oof. Rory, last week hmm? i had tyler duncan who was third last week at the honda classic i had i didn't i didn't at the genesis um i had nick taylor who lost in the or who finished second at yeah. the phoenix open i mean this is i why am i even doing this to myself this is so painful yeah, this is I. I'm sick. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I just we we got we got to buy a win. We got to buy a win pretty soon here because that's the thing with with golf betting too. With golf betting, um, I mean you could be getting it in really good. Like you can just be making really good wagers week after week. But you got to really you just got to get over the course of the season. You got to get like three. That's kind of been the magic number for me. Is if you can get three, you're either I guess depending on who the winners are, you're either going to break even or come ahead pretty good. Yeah, I know. That's why, I, you know, again, with uh, the first tournament of the year, it was 25, 28 to 1, something like that. I remember thinking that, like, all right, I'm set up. Like, I'm not digging out of an outright hole for, like, two months to try to find my first one at, like, Arnold Palmer or something, because that always happens. So that bothered me. Like, that's going to stick in my craw for many, many, many years. So hopefully, and again, if you're if you're making outright bets and they finish in the top five, like, you're making good bets. Like, sure, you, yeah. you know, and it, for the most part, like if you if you bet, you know, uh, Rom in Mexico where he was like three to one and he finishes in the top ten, I can't tell you like you made an exceptional bet. But for the most part, if your golfers are finishing well, it, you know, you're doing something right with the numbers you're running, so it should turn out well in the long run, and and then you'll get limited to kind of circle around. Well, golf betting is probably the most fascinating market because everyone's copying off the same source more or less everyone uses data golf stuff either as a starting point or as a checkpoint and that is not true in any other sport i don't think there's one tennis sport i i mean i have i have caught books straight up copying 
data golf's prices for head-to-heads like literally mirror prices on like 10 lines or whatever like to the point of like this is not an accident which is uh i mean i guess if someone thought they had better numbers than the data golf guys i guess that would be pretty fascinating no and, and sometimes that's the you know this has changed since i've talked to this but I talked to somebody out in Vegas who worked in a back room and I, he said, yeah, I, he does this, but he also does tennis numbers too. I said, Oh, how do you originate your tennis numbers? He's like, pinnacle. <laughs> he looked at me like I had two heads. He's like, no, we just, there's no volume. I'm not spending time on that. Like we're just going to use pinnacles numbers. Like the, the time invested, the time investment for me to like originate tennis for our book would be silly for how many people bet it. Like here's a really good sports book that the numbers already probably already pretty good. And that's kind of what we're going to do with this. And you know, that, that evolves over time too, as markets pick up, but yeah, the, the golf one is kind of weird. You do see that where there's a lot of group think with some of the prices. That's why I do like the offshores with golf. They have way different markets than, than a lot of what you'll see in the regulated markets. Like I don't, I don't fully understand some of these matchups they're putting together on like the regulated books at all. And I, I guess a lot of them are just like, Hey, everybody has this. We better have it. But at minus minus one eighteen. Yes. Yeah, that is, that is definitely, that is definitely the case. I mean, golf is golf is a weird thing to price anyways. Cause like I, you know, it's, it's a smaller, every, everything, but the outright market is smaller, lower liquidity. And you're going to be opening yourself up to, Pick, people picking you off who have better numbers and have spent more time simming the stuff out and figuring it out than you have. So I don't really blame them for doing the golf that way, really. No, somebody, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Epat. I, honestly, I think it was. He, he put a tweet out and said like, hey, what's a market you want to see in, in golf betting in the future? And I said, I want two drop-down lists that have all 150 players on it. And I want to pick my own matchup and your back end prices it. Prices it. Yeah. That would, that's great. I love it. I've I've been, and I said, you, I didn't say it out loud, but I said this to somebody. I'm like, they'd have to charge like a pretty heavy over round because you're pricing. I mean, what is 150, you know, the the different, the amount of permutations you could have uh, between those, you know, and then trying to price like John Rom versus, Akshay Batia. Yeah, like, well, even like some of these, like, hey, this guy, this guy plays, he's a fill-in, he's 60, he plays like three, you know, three tournaments every five years. Like, maybe you wouldn't get everybody. Maybe, maybe they'd have to leave out some of that, but you know, at least like the top 80 or so players, human prices on that sort of stuff. I'd love to see that. And I said that to somebody, they'd have to charge. Like, if it was, you know, these two are equal players. And it was minus 125 on either side. I I probably wouldn't fault them at all because it's a pain in the ass market to try to provide thousands of different prices on. And I, I guess as a bookmaker, though, you wouldn't really be worried if people uh, reverse engineered your pricing either, though. Pro- like, I guess that would be like that would be like why, uh, a, a, you know, a golf tout would be like, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to give you that because then you could reverse engineer our stuff. Yeah, a lot, and a lot of it would be in line with the, you know, the outright prices, but there'd be small discrepancies that I think people could probably, like you said, pick it apart. Uh, Tiger, Tiger, and Tiger and Spieth. 
it would be where it, like I that those are the ones I see where it's like speed they'll be 20 to one to win a tournament but he'll be a dog to Sam Burns and head to heads or whatever yeah there's a, there's a big disparity in a lot of that because you're just paying a tax for a name you want to bet so yeah I like that well I mean I think we I think we covered a lot yeah, of ground, bud just kind of just kind of wrapping that's right. I know Dan. Dan's like, what should we call this episode? I'm like, I don't know. Me and Davis are just going to talk. Like, we're just going to have a convo about everything that's happening in, in the world right now. We did cover a lot of ground. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think I'm going to go finish my golf newsletter, make a few more head to head bets. My outright card is finished. I have the winner this week. Who's okay? I've been manifesting. Uh, I've been manifesting, manifesting that. I, I don't even remember who my card is at this point. I got I got can't lay I got can't lay and JT at the top of the cards. That's 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 what I'm feeling. Shoffley Day Hovland Finau Hatton. I just stayed away from the whole top. So I'm I'm doing this every week in these elevated events. Like give me give me the names that could be in the 20s that are in the 30s and 40s instead. Almost had it last week with Hovland. You can say that, but there was like nine guys that were right there. But God damn it, he was one of them. And I, well, that's I had, that. That's I, the other I, thing. I that's time. the other thing about. That's the other thing about uh, golf betting is you can always you can always convince yourself you're pretty close if a guy sneaks in on Sunday. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, and it wasn't like the Brom goes minus five on the on the back nine and top tens. You know, it, it was Victor Hovland had a shot. He just decided to do some Victor Hovland shit. And that's uh, kind of my lot in life right now. So I will, uh, I'll have some more golf betting stuff. We'll talk golf betting on, you know, Brown bag bets all week. I'll have some outrights or some, some matchups as we go, but yeah, I thank you, Mr. Maddock for joining me today. You did a, a very fine job of playing fill in host here while Drew's off. He says, I don't feel as bad now. Uh, he says it's very cold. Says it's nice, the skiing's great, but it's very, very cold. So good, you Southern California doofus. Gotta get you gotta get um, your base layer up. You it's just it's all about that. I went skiing a couple weeks ago. That's what I learned. Is like if your base layer is good, you're not gonna feel cold. Yeah, I'm guessing he just packed like a t-shirt because he's from California. Just doesn't know better. So he doesn't uh, get it. At Davis Maddock, M-A-T-T-E-K, in case you're taking this in, you know just listening and you have no idea how to spell the name or you don't already follow him, but you should, if you want some, uh, I'm just content, Twitter content in your eyeballs. So appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Uh, if you listen to this, leave a review, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. And we'll catch you back here next week. I have no idea what we're talking about next week, but Drew did make a schedule. It might be March Madness Calcutta's. We've had a request for Calcutta talk a couple times. Because there's some there's some layers there. So we'll catch you next week and I'll figure it out before then. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. 
Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.